0: Hey everyone, good morning. Hey, thanks for joining us. And uh, would you stand up, jump up on your feet. We're going to sing together and worship the Lord with one voice. Come on. Come on, sing. Let's worship our King, come let us bow at His feet, He has a grace. This morning, yeah.
1: The power of hell Forever defeated Now it is well I'm walking in freedom For God so loves God so loved the world Praise God Praise God From whom all blessings flow Praise Him him for the wonders of his love. Praise God. Down at the foot of the cross, Jesus is waiting, God so loved the world.
2: Amen, amen, amen. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for the truth uh, from your word this morning that, Lord, you sent your son on a rescue mission. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, that is the truth. That is what we proclaim. That is what we stand on. Lord, we love You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. morning, guys. Have a seat. Good to be with you in the building and online. I want to just say that last weekend I had the opportunity to go up to uh, one of our uh, churches that we've sent out. So Pastor Josh Watts and his wife Shannon are up in Newcastle, and they send their love. And one of the things that I heard from their team is just talking about what's happening here. They're like, we're excited about what's happening in Finleyville. You know what I mean? Like I, I tell people I'm from Bentleyville and some people are like, where is that? West Virginia? Like, you know what I mean? So it's just, and I'm from West Virginia. So I take that offensively. No, but I, you know, I, I just love the fact that there is a greater picture in all of this. It's the kingdom, meaning there's a bigger picture. It's God's work. It's not just a church doing one thing. It's the church. It's the capital C church. So this last weekend I was up in, in city at City Church in Newcastle and they just send their love and they're just thanking God for this place. You know, we've sent them out and it's been, it's been over a year, you know, a year and a half that they've been out there just doing the work of the Lord. And so God is doing amazing work in the city of Newcastle. Uh, so just be thinking of Pastor Josh and, and his wife Shannon and their ministry out there as they continue to reach You know, the city um, of Newcastle for Jesus. So our mission here, to talk about that bigger picture, our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, in all things, that's what we do. That's why we do what we do. That's why we, you know, like this week I watched some of these ladies set up for for mops and, and set up for, you know, having the little kids come in. And it's like, you know, they're putting stuff away. They're tearing stuff down. They're putting stuff away. And then there's joy because there's something, there's something greater. There's a greater reason why we do this, so I'm just thankful, Listen, we can clap, it's okay, but you know we can't be afraid to clap, but i I, I am thankful. That there is a mission here. The mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's, that's what we're all about here. So um, I just want to say welcome to those who are visiting, those who are here for the first time. You know, second time, I just want to say we're glad you're here. If you're online joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, if you're here in the building, please stop by the Welcome Center. They have something to give you just for saying thanks for joining us. And online, just let them know that you're new or you're checking things out and want more information. They'd be happy to connect with you. Um, But we guys, we have something really some two things I want to share with you. One, we have our foundations class, uh, which just launched today. So we can thank God for that. Our Deacon Wade Baker is uh, teaching that class. So if you are still interested in jumping in, you know, we have this this class available. This is about building the foundations of the faith, you know, getting grounded in the word of God. And so this class is all for you, whether you said, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus a couple of weeks ago or it's been years and you want to get grounded. So please uh, jump into that class. That's 930 in, um, in room uh, 207. And so Wade teaches that class and he would love if you join. I know they had a, they had a great first time uh, last hour. So if that's for you. Join them next, next Sunday, 930, 207. Wade's going to be there waiting for you. So on the 9th of May, we have our child dedication. So if you would like to donate, donate, good Lord. (laughs) If you'd like to donate your child, no, Um, it's like kids stay free on the weekends. Um, But I just want to say, if you would like to dedicate your child, would you please go to the front page of our website and would you uh, just sign up? And again, we had a lot of kids that were were born during the pandemic. And I talked to a guy um, this morning and he just said, we didn't have a church and we wanted to dedicate our children, and so there's three families, and I just had another one this morning that said they're going to, to, to dedicate their child, so we're going to wrap up as their church, and we're going to surround them, and we're going to um, just help these kids know who Jesus is, and make that decision to follow him, so again, continuing to be on mission, and then I'm just thankful, you know, for what this church is doing, for the faithfulness of this church, thank you for your faithfulness, and giving, you can give online, um, the boxes on the wall, or you can give through the mail, but Guys, we're on mission. We're, we're taking off. We're moving forward. We're thankful for what God is doing here. So thank you for your faithfulness. Would you guys pray with me as we continue on? Lord, um, I'm just thankful that we're just a bunch of human beings, God, as we've just heard. Um, Lord, just thankful for your for just your hand in our lives. Lord, I'm thankful for, uh, Lord, the, the, the at one point you sent Jesus to this earth to save us, to To rescue us and Lord, now we have something to celebrate, something that's inside of us. Lord, we were we were sick and we acknowledged that we were sick and that we needed a doctor. We needed you. And so, Lord, thank you for that reminder this morning, God, that you so love the world, that you sent your only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, we love you and we believe that. We believe Jesus. We believe in your cross, we believe in your resurrection. We believe in this church. We believe what you're doing, God. We trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand off Father, may we recognize our need for you. And if we're in that place right now, that we can lean on you and know that you've given us the hope of your son, Jesus. And you want a relationship with us. Father, all I can ask is that you would soften our hearts and we would receive the words you have for us today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Jesus. We've been taking our time going through the book of Mark and just looking at how remarkable He really is. As we look at the remarkableness of our, our Master and our Savior, I want to encourage you that Jesus is really the only thing that can change your life. It's really the only the only person that can help you um, in, in the midst of all the pain and all the troubles that you're going through, the sorrow, the heartbreak. Um, the brokenness of our world this remarkable jesus is why we're here we gather together to rally around this remarkable jesus and uh, and we've started out looking at his ministry he had a ministry it was three years long it was a three-year public ministry and then he dies on the cross so we're taking a look, and as we go through Mark, Mark has given us the very first line is this is the gospel, this is the good news, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Christ. This is the good news. And so as you look at this, I want to give you good news. Every time we gather, every time we get together, we're going to look at the good news. So we saw his, the good news of how the Jesus spoke with power and authority Nobody else taught like Jesus. There was nobody who had power to cast a demon out like Jesus did. Jesus cast demons out. Jesus ca- he healed sick people. Last week we looked at a lame, uh, the lame person, the, the paralyzed person. We looked at the leper and we saw how the leper was healed. And so as you see this and you see that he has power and authority over demons, he has power and authority over sickness, today we're going to look and we're going to see that he has power and authority over who he hangs with. Like when Jesus is hanging out with you, you're not the same folks. If you are hanging out with Jesus, you will not be the same. I'm going to show that to you today here. Um, Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. The first thing I want you to do is, if you're following along in your Bible, to just look where it says teach or preach there. Some translations will put preach. Others will put teach. It's the same word. Just put there number six. Because this is the sixth time from chapter 1 to this verse in chapter 2. Six times we see Jesus has come to teach. Why did Jesus come? He didn't come to heal. Like there were great people who were getting healed. People were standing up. They were getting healings. Uh, paralytics were, were being able to walk. Lepers were being made free. All kind of things were changing in their physical bodies. But that wasn't why he came. He came to teach. He came to teach the good news. The, the good news was this message of repent and believe you know we live in a world today that I only wants you to think about the believe and, and just believe just believe jesus said to repent and believe to turn from these things and here's where we all get afraid when we hear this word repent you get afraid because you think i'm saying repent turn from being a bad person to be a good person that's not what jesus said he said turn from these things over here unto me And so that was the good news of Jesus. And so if his number one goal was to teach, our number one goal should be to learn. Would you read this with me? If Jesus came to teach, then our number one goal should be to learn. And and I'd like to challenge you this morning. When was the last time that you came into church and said, Lord, teach me today? God, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Teach to me. Teach me a little bit about who I am. Tell me who I am today, Lord. Tell me who you are. God, give me the heart the hands and the ears to be able to hear and and to do uh, the things that you've called me to do. Give me that heart, that mind. Uh, Lord, help me to be receptive to what you want to say. You know, most of the time people come in and uh, when you're coming in to hear God's word, it's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. What am I getting out of this today? Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, I I didn't get anything out of the message today. Really? Like maybe you weren't asking God to teach you. Maybe you were looking for the healing. And maybe you were just looking for the leprosy to be gone. And Jesus said, I'm going after something so much deeper. So I want to encourage us. When we gather together, when you get into life groups, into small groups, we have small group Bible studies. Wade's starting this new class today. Thank God for Wade Baker starting a new foundations class. Give him a hand. Thank God for that guy. When our teenagers gather in the gymnasium, when our children gather downstairs, listen, the number one goal is that they may know the good news. And so I want to challenge you, when you come into church, when you gather around, whenever you get alone with God's Word, many people, I've heard people say, well, you know, I just can't read the Bible, it's a little bit boring. Really? Maybe you need to ask God to teach you. Because when you do, and listen, I've got free Bibles out there, please take one. People are taking them. We're constantly stocking that. Take one of them. It's a study Bible. It will help you. I guarantee if you pick it up and read the book of John, you'll never be able to put it down. Never. I, money back guarantee on a free Bible. <laughs> Listen. People are taking them. One person came in and said, man, this is so good. I just need a larger print. I can't see it. Yes. We got them a larger print. And, I, and they said, what do I do with the other one? I said, give it to somebody. Listen, because this will transform your life. And so when you come to meet with God, I want to encourage you, before you start reading your Bible in the morning, Lord, would you teach me today? God, would you speak to me? And He does. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. So if His number one goal was to teach, ours ought to be to learn, and not just to learn information. Listen, you can learn information. God wants transformation. Transformation. He's looking to transform your life. He's looking for you to go beyond knowledge. He wants you to go knowledge, assent, and then trust. Yes, I know it. Now I agree with it. Now I'm going to trust it. And that's where the difference makes in people's lives. Many people have gone to church all their life and haven't learned because they're not looking for Jesus. They're looking for this healing. They're looking for this They're looking for something that they want Jesus to be. In the meantime, Jesus is revealing himself to us in his word. Um, And and, and so check this out as we continue. As he walked along, verse 14, as he walked along, he passed by. uh, He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. I, I want you to catch this because Jesus never had a day off. There was never a time that Jesus' cell phone was off and you couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, Jesus was always, always available, and, uh, and he had to go different places, be different places. But listen, let me tell you this. As he walked along, he sees somebody, and he says, all right, it's my time to minister. And I want to encourage you, as you walk along, as you go to the grocery store, God's placing Levi's in front of you. God's placing people all around you. When you go to your work, when you interact in this community, God has placed people around. He doesn't say, hey, ministry happens in an hour on Sunday. That's one hour. I think, isn't there 167 hours in the whole week? That's an odd number. 168. There's a whole lot of hours in the week. And God is moving in every one of them. And so when you go to work, He wants you to be on duty. And I want to encourage you, be on duty. Jesus was on duty. He always looked and He always found people. Imagine if Jesus wasn't looking. Imagine if Jesus said, well, I'm just going to teach today and and he, he missed a huge opportunity. Here he says that Jesus came, and as he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, as you look into, the, as you look into Matthew, you'll find that Matthew records it, and he gives him the name Matthew because that's his name, Matthew. His name was Levi. He later is known as Matthew. And so it's the same person. So you're going to hear me. I'm going to interchange it back and forth. Levi and Matthew. If you hear me say Matthew, I mean Levi. If I hear Levi, if you hear Levi, I'm trying to say Matthew. Okay? So it's the same person. So when Levi, the son of Alphaeus, is sitting at the tax collector's booth, I want you to catch this. Here's Jesus. He's called a few of his disciples already. He's teaching. He's come to teach. He's teaching. And so everywhere he goes, he's teaching. People are sitting nearby listening. Peter, James, and John. They were in the boat that Jesus would teach. It says that he, uh, he actually comes along the, to the seaside. And as, he, as he's along the seaside, he would get into a boat and teach to the people on shore. It was like an, like an amphitheater. And so as he walked along, he sees Levi sitting at the tax collector's booth. And here is three fishermen, Peter, James, and John. They're like, uh, what are you doing talking to that guy? Let me tell you why they didn't talk to this guy. Levi worked for the IRS. You know what I'm saying? Now, now listen, today when, when, you know, we joke around about taxes a lot, right? Nobody wants to pay them. But, uh, you know, somebody once said that a fine is a tax for doing wrong and a tax is, is a fine for doing good. Um, they said that they're going to update the IRS, make it an easier form next year. Line number one, how much money did you make this year? Line number two, send it all in. Um, I heard that there's going to be a new slogan for the IRS. Be, audit you can be, all right? So it's like, hey, listen, we joke around about taxes. We don't like to pay them, but we like the benefits of them, don't we? We like having a road system. I like being able to pick up the phone, call 911. I like that there's a lifeline helicopter. There's many good things that our taxes help us with in our country today. But in this day, I want you to catch us. This. this was Roman taxation. Uh, look at this map here. There, there were several trade routes that went through. this. Uh, where Jesus is at now is in Capernaum, and it's right along the seashore here. So this line here represents what was known as the Via Maris. It was a trade route. And so when you were coming from Egypt and you were cutting through Israel, remember this is the new occupation under the Roman territory. You were coming from over here and heading to the other parts of the Roman Empire. They would have these little tax booths set up. And you'd pay tax, and you'd pay tax on everything. Um, here's another, another map, just kind of show you, there are a bunch of different routes that were all over the place. Uh, there was one known as the King's Highway, one is the Via Maris. But as you look at this, I want you to consider Roman taxation. Here's Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And, and Matthew, Levi, I told you I'd do that, right? Levi is sitting at the tax booth, and, and he is, he's handing out, you know, he's not handing out, he's taking in. He's saying, here, here's your due bill today, and let me explain to you why they were so hated. The Roman tax system was known as a tax farming system. What they would do is they would come and, uh, and they would actually farm out the taxes, which, by the way, in 167 B.C., Rome stopped charging their own citizens tax way before Jesus ever came. 167 B.C., there was no tax if you were a Roman citizen. So why is there a tax collector now? Because it was a new territory. Rome would go in and they would uh, take over a new place, a new land, new country. They would send their military over. And then they would tax the people. They would do it to to get them to be part of ingrained into their system. uh, To pay for the military that they've sent out there. And so what they would do is they would come with this tax farming idea. And they would have an auction. And they would do a a census. And let's say they just did a census on Finleyville. Well, we think the residents of Finleyville, there's enough of them that we should be able to get a million dollars tax out of the Finleyville residents, right? So they come and they say, we're going to auction this off. Rome, the Roman Empire didn't really have the manpower to send people out to collect this tax, so they would auction it off among the locals. So the Jewish residents would come to the auction, and you could bid on that million dollars. So they'd have a, a, an auction, and they would start at one million. We want a million. Who'll give me 1.2? He'll give me 1.3. He'll give me 1.4. And maybe you bought the right to collect that tax for two million. And that day you would walk out, and you would have paid two million dollars for the right to collect the tax. And it didn't matter how much tax you collected, because you could collect the one million. You can collect enough to pay off the extra that you won to bid it, and then you could collect even more. So you could collect three or four million. And so what would happen? It was extortion. These people were lying. They were cheaters. They were thieves. Uh, they, they put themselves at the very middle of the equation. They said, wow, look, what a great investment. A million dollars becomes $4 million. And they would just go and, and they would just make this tons of money. And they would, they would tax you on everything. Um, so when Jesus came around, there was a large crowd. They would tax the people that were gathering in a large crowd. Uh, they would keep. They would. They, they would keep cheating and raising the tax. Uh, they would make a living off of extortion. These were professional extortionists. They they're Jewish descent. They're they're Jewish descent, but they weren't really Jewish by the way they lived. They were considered unclean. They weren't allowed to come into worship. It was it was like treason against Israel. It was like it was it was the worst of the worst. And so when Jesus goes up and he sees this man at the tax booth, like the, all the disciples are like. uh-uh. Let me give you a little bit more insight here. The, the disciples, when they would fish and they would get their catch, they would get taxed on the catch. All the imports, all the exports, they would they would tax them. Sounds a little familiar today, doesn't it? You know, we, we get taxed on everything, right? So they would tax them. And so I want you to imagine these fishermen trying to avoid the tax booth. Hey, we had the great catch. Let's leave at night. Maybe he won't be at the tax booth. Maybe we can cut through the... Uh, I don't know if they had woods in Israel, right? Maybe we can cut through the through the through the, over there. Get away from. Them. We won't have to take the Via And so, at the end of the day, here is Matthew, and he's a tax collector. And Jesus comes up and he sees this guy who is a lying thief. He's a conniver. They 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 would lend you money if you couldn't pay the tax, and they would lend you at an exorbitant rate. Today we call it a credit card. But back then, the tax collector did it, right? The Jewish tax collectors. They were excommunicated from all the synagogues. And yet Jesus comes up to them. He walks beside them. And he sees that that, that this is the tax collector. Now, I want you to catch this because Levi has been hearing Jesus speak. As I've read this passage many times, I'm like, how does this guy Levi just get up and follow Jesus? He'd been hearing him speak. He was in nearby. Like Peter, James, and John, they would hear him speak. He would hear him speak. And and Levi would go home at night. And Levi would wrestle with who he is. You know, when you're doing something wrong, your soul kind of wrestles with it. Did you ever notice that? When you're living a life that, that is just not, something's missing, something's wrong. He would lay there at night, his soul, uh, his mind going overdrive, his, his heart gnawing at him, saying something, we, we, that something's not right here. I don't know what it is. And so he keeps hearing little tidbits from Jesus, little tidbit from Jesus. And then Jesus comes up to him and Jesus walks over to him. And the, uh, and, and the, uh, the disciples are like, Jesus, do you know what you're doing here? Jesus, do you realize that you are uh, that, that this is this? That, you know, like that's a tax collector. He, he's he's not he, he's not good, Jesus. Like like there was the Pharisees. The Pharisees had all kind of rules and regulations that they lived by, and here was the tax collector. And the disciples are somewhere in between all this mess, and they're like, man. Jesus, we know, like, we're we're not like those Pharisees. We're not quite that, you know. By the way, when you hear the word Pharisee, you always think negative because we've kind of presented it as such. But in that day before Jesus came, they were well-respected people. They were pious. They kept the law. As a matter of fact, they had the law of God, and then they had an oral law. And they would wrap themselves around the oral law. Of the, they would wrap this oral law of God around it. So, in other words, let me give you an example. Keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, right? So they would say, well, God didn't give us much direction there just, to, just that we're supposed to rest on that day. So they would come up with rules and they would say, okay, you can only tie a knot that could be loosened with one hand. Because we want to keep this law so good. And so they would, they would protect the law of God. And so they would have rules on top of rules that were just oral tradition, oral rules. And so those Pharisees were so far over there that they thought they were so good. And then you have the disciples who are somewhere in between. They're just kind of following Jesus. And now here comes this another guy, Levi, who's going to become a disciple. And the disciples are like, what? Jesus, don't you know? Don't you know what's going on here? Look, look at this next verse here. Continue on. He comes up to him and he says, Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and he followed him. Let me tell you what Levi did. Levi cast it all in that day. For for Levi, this was everything. If you had to to bid to be a, a tax collector, if you had to put a financial investment in and you were making a lucrative income off of it, he had to walk away from all of this stuff to follow Jesus. The disciples, the other disciples, they were fishermen, weren't they? For them, it was pretty easy, wasn't it? Oh, we're fishermen. What happened to their nets whenever they were done? They just left their net down. Dad took their nets and kept fishing. As a matter of fact, after Jesus rises from the dead, you see they go back fishing again to a degree. Levi, he could never go back and become a tax collector again imagine imagine the cost here all, all the lying all the thieving all the conniving his rights that he bought he's he's now a traitor against rome rome's never going to let him do the tax collecting all, all this thing is done he, he's got a whole nif- different life ahead of him and and for him the sacrifice was paramount it was a whole new life that he had to do and how many times have i read that and like oh that's cool the tax collector followed jesus it's really cool he just followed jesus uh listen it is really cool. He did follow Jesus. But I want you to think about this. You've heard the story about the uh, about the chicken and the pig, right? Yeah, I know you've heard about it before. The chicken and the pig. They go to... Uh, they're going to a fundraiser. It's a breakfast fundraiser. It's a bacon and eggs fundraiser. And, uh, and the chicken says to the pig, Hey, let's go ahead and in. And the pig says, No, you can go in. I'll wait out here. He says, Well, why not? Why, why won't you come on in? He says, Well, for you, chicken... That's a contribution. For me, it's my life, okay? Bacon and eggs, right? So so that's what happened with Levi. Listen, the other disciples, they were fishermen. Levi, he's leaving an incredible amount of money. He's leaving all kind of stuff... And, like, for him to go, his life changed. He doesn't get to go back to the tax booth ever again. Like, even after Jesus rises from the dead, he doesn't get to go back to the tax booth. He has had, he has had a wholesale change. He is a complete new person. So, you know what? I, I want you to think about this because this is what happens in, in the body of Christ. All of a sudden we see Jesus does and transforms somebody. Jesus is looking at his disciples, and, you know, the disciples are like, really, Jesus? Do you know what you're doing? Like, we're not supposed to hang out with him. And Jesus says, we're going to start a life group. (laughs) But I hate him. Yeah, I know. I know. You're going to live out Christianity. right. We're going to work this Christianity out right in front of us. You know, through the years, we've had life groups in the church. And sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm in this particular life group. It just didn't work out. Could you put me in a different life group? You know? They're all kind of Ford people. You know, they like to the fix or repair daily. That's the Ford people. They're all, they all drive Ford F-150s, and I'm more of a Chevy guy. So c- c- could you put me in a Chevy group? Sorry, Ford people. Jesus said, no. I got the crook, and I told him to follow me, and he's following me, and you're going to help him. And this new band of brothers started to grow together, and they started to, to, be, to, to, uh, to just continue on to do life together. And so, he, so when Levi walks away, he walks away from everything. So Jesus sees this tax collector. He says, get up and follow me. And, and I want to encourage you because for some of you, this is the decision that God's working at you. God's been talking to your heart. There's some things that you've been giving your heart to over here, and you know if I've got to follow Jesus, I've got to abandon Uh, Because you can't do... Jesus said you can not serve two masters at the same time. Either he's Lord or he's not. Either I'm Lord or I'm not. So when you a wholesale change. That's what the tax collector, Levi, Matthew, becomes a wholesale change. And he follows Jesus. And Jesus told, him, uh, Jesus told him, follow me. And he gets up and he follows him. Verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, um, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him. And his disciples were, uh, and, and his disciples were, there were many who followed him. He was eating with the sinners, of which I am one. He was eating with the tax collectors. Another translation says it like this. He was eating with those despicable people. He was hanging out with people that you wouldn't hang out with. He's hanging out with crooks, with liars, with thieves. And and he's having dinner with them. And you know what? I see in in this passage that Jesus actually had a good time with them and, and that they were happy that he was there. But check this out. It says, For there were many who followed him that day, verse 16, For the teachers of the law, when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the sinners and the tax collectors? Uh, the, the Pharisees were probably on the outside looking into this, into this house. They, would start, they were starting to follow him already and they're saying, we don't like him. We don't like him. He speaks with authority. That's a threat to our authority. We don't like this guy. And so whenever they see this, and Jesus is about to draw the line between him and the religious crowd right now. Check this out. He says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. What? If you know people that don't follow Jesus, quite often they probably have told you two things about Jesus. Jesus said, don't judge. And Jesus hung out with sinners. You probably have heard people say that. People have told me that many times. And yeah, that's cool. But look what Jesus calls them. No, go back. There you go. It's magic. What's he call them? Call them sickos. That's the Ken Barner translation. He calls them sick. Man, these people are sick and they know it. Now we'll move forward. Jesus hung out with the party crowd because they were sick and they knew it. Would you read that with me? Jesus hung out with the party crowd because they were sick and they knew it. Man, a day through the years, I've heard people say, "Well, you know, you should be hanging out with the party crowd so you can identify with them." Listen, Jesus didn't sin. Jesus didn't go in and say, "Well, hey, you know what? Uh, what are you guys doing for sin? Let me let me do what I can dabble with my sin a little bit with you, just so that I'll fit in." You really think that? Like people really think that's amazing? I've had people tell me, "Well, you know, just 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 just, just go out. You need to go out. And you need to just dabble a little bit." No, I'm not dabbling nothing. Jesus didn't dabble at all. He hung out with this group of a bunch of thieves and liars because they were sick and they knew it. It was Matthew's retirement party. Matthew was retiring. He left immediately. And and, and the thing he says is, hey, listen, Jesus, do you think you could hang out with a couple of my friends? Because I have a whole lot of friends. We've all been disrupted we've all been hurt by this we none of us are really finding meaning and so jesus he gathers them together and jesus goes in and he hangs out with them they're happy with jesus and they're happy with uh they're happy to follow him look here at the next verse here we'll go to this mark two fifteen. while he was having dinner at levi's house hanging with the tax collectors and sinners eating with him and his disciples there were many who followed Him. You see what happened? How many times have I looked at the party and focused on the party because Jesus should be a party, church should be fun, church should be this. No, 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 that's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus said, I'm going to there because you people won't let Him in. You people over there that know how to tie a knot on the Sabbath and loosen it with one hand, go ahead, keep untying your knot because I'm hanging out with the sick people. And I'm going over here with the sick people, and Jesus didn't didn't lay, let me be sick. You know, you just sang a song this morning. Uh, God so loved the world, lay all your addictions and your burdens at the foot of the cross. You know, what many people do. They lay it down. They have a good hour, and then they get up and they take it with them, and that's it. And God says, lay it down, and walk away. Like when, when these people, listen, they were no longer tax collectors. They were this. Here's what they did. They repented and believed. That Jesus didn't go over to the tax collector booth and say, hey, if you pray this little hocus-pocus type of thing, you'll get to go to heaven. He said, follow me. And I want to encourage you today, that's the missing factor for many people. Are you following Jesus? Like, I'm not asking you if you're living a moral life. That's not what we're talking about. I'm asking you, are you a new person? Is, 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 are, are you changed by the master? Many realized that they had, were, were living this way and that, that they were not being fulfilled. Their fulfillment was not working. They had money. They had fun. They had all kinds of things that went with the whole party crowd. And it, listen, it didn't matter. They left. They left because they said, we finally found something that can fulfill. We have found that this Jesus, from what we've been hearing, we've been the tax collectors. Every time the crowd gathers around, we're collecting money. We're making money off this crowd. We're not going to make money off it anymore. Could you imagine if Levi would have come and said, I'll follow you, Jesus, but um, how about this? I keep my tax business, and I'll make a whole lot of money to fuel your ministry. Jesus said, no. Follow me. And he left everything. And he becomes a new man. He becomes a new person in Jesus Christ. And so when that call came, he was ready for it. And I want to ask you, are you ready for that call? You may be in church all your life and, and you haven't answered to the call. You see, it's one thing to be in church. It's another thing to follow Jesus. Have you answered the call of Jesus? Are you a follower of him? Like, like, have you found out that these things over here will not satisfy Keep going. You'll find it eventually that they do not satisfy. And I pray that you will find it in this lifetime, before it's too late. Open your heart to Jesus, because these things don't satisfy. Follow him. Follow him, for there were many who followed him. The flip side is this, is that Jesus avoided the religious crowd because they were sick and wouldn't admit it. Read that with me. Jesus avoided the religious crowd because they were sick and they would not admit it. Jesus said, verse 17, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the doctor to uh, call the righteous, but to call sinners. He says, they're sick and I'm the doctor. They're admitting it. Do you ever go to your doctor's office and there's a sign up that says healthy people only? Please register only if you're healthy. You know? Uh, the doctor's in the back. I've studied for 14 years. And diseases are bad. I don't want to get any disease. Only send me healthy people. You know, I go to the doctor and I think there's nothing wrong with me, right? Of course, you know there's something wrong with me, but the doctors don't, you know. I got, I, somebody told me years ago, whether you like it or not, schedule an annual visit. So I started going to the doctor for an annual visit and he said, we need to up at the twice a year. I was like, really? But I'm not sick. He goes, not yet. I'm like, oh, thank you, doc. I appreciate that, you know. So here you are. You're, you're in the doctor's waiting office. Do you ever do this? You're sitting in the doctor's office. I'm just there for my annual checkup, you know. Nowadays, you know, I just went not too long ago. You're sitting there with your mask on. You're, like, and I'm looking over the other chair 10 feet away from me. I wonder what he's here for. Ooh, he probably got the C virus. Not, not me. me. I'm healthy. And he's looking at me like, I wonder what that guy's here for. Then I get up, and I'm like, oh, I can barely walk. My knees are hurting. He's like, I know what that guy's here for. He's like, I'd rather have the C-virus. It's done in 10 days. he got a longer problem, right? And, and, and so what happens is we, we tend to look at everybody else, and we judge ourselves based on what we look at everybody else. Like, I'm not as bad as somebody else. And listen, that's not what Jesus did. Um, Jesus Jesus said, listen, I come for the sick. How many times are we sick and didn't know it? And that's what happened. The religious crowd, they were sick and they didn't know it. They, they did all the rules. They were pious. They were, they were kind. They did everything. But they were far from God. They were really good at rules. They were really good at regulations. But they had no heart. Everything was missing. It was, it was like an empty shell. And so here's, here's, here's where they were at. Jesus called them whited walls. They look good on the outside. It was, it was like a, a, a term for a, a, a tombstone, like, like a, a gravestone that would rot. He said, you're like a whited wall. It looks good on the outside, but I could just kick and it falls over. It's rotten on the inside. And that's what the religious people were like. And so Jesus wasn't antagonistic towards them. He just realized that they're sick too, but they won't admit it. We're all sick. Romans 3:10 There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. No one. No one. No one. All everybody has turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. You know what Jesus did? He came because he knew you were sick. The question is, do you know it? Are you willing to surrender and go to the doctor? Many people will die of diseases because they wouldn't go to the doctor. Many people will go into a Christless eternity because they would not admit they were sick. Jesus said, I am the Son of Man. Daniel chapter 7. He identified with the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7. One day every knee will bow down. All things will be eternally His. He is the Son of Man. Are you willing to come to the doctor? Are you willing to let him be the doctor? And are you willing to admit that you are sin, that you have this sin problem, that you that you got to deal with this? Christianity is the only club where you have to be unqualified to get in. Check that out. Christianity is the only club where you have to be unqualified to get in. Like if you come to Jesus at the pearly gates and you say, well, you know what, Jesus, you should let me in because I told everybody... I've made people read their Bibles. I went all over the place. And God says, no, 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 I'm not looking for qualified people. I'm looking for sinful, sick people who are unqualified. And if you come and you give God all your good, He says, that's filthy rags. Nasty, filthy rags. He says, get away from me. I never knew you. And that's what, that's what we're here to help you with today so that you would find the doctor. We are the only club where you have to be unqualified to get in. You know, the Pharisees, they had the opportunity to come to Christ too. But they chose not to. They would tell you of all their goodness. They would tell you what they've done. They would tell you how, how awesome that they are and, and, and the rules that they've kept and the, and the oral traditions. And maybe some even the oral traditions that they have added on. But, but to come to Christ, you must be unqualified. And to realize and understand that you are a sinner who needs Jesus Christ. Jesus came in doctor's terms to do transplant surgery, not cosmetic surgery. Jesus came to do a wholesale change, to rise you, to make you a new person, to do, not cosmetic. Could you imagine you go to the doctor and you got this liver problem? And you say, well, you know what, I can't really see that, but I'm going to go get a nose job today. And you're like, really? You can get a nose job? Unless it's skin cancer, I'd be going after the liver first. And God does that. He says, listen, I've come to transplant. I'm just, not, I didn't come just so that I could make your life better. I didn't come so that you could be your own savior. See, when you are trying to get your goals, you think you become your own savior. Jesus may not let you get your own goals. Cause if you get your own goals, you'll think you're the savior. Jesus says, I don't want to, I'm not helping you get to your goals. I'm helping you to get to me, to become a follower of me. And so, listen, look at this verse here. This is so powerful. 2 Corinthians five, uh, seventeen. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Folks, I'm, I'm just going to speak into this. This is a delicate moment. But if you're not a new person, you're not a follower of Jesus. You may be a religious person, but you're not a follower of Jesus. You know, the Pharisees, what would it look like for them to become new? We see what it's like for for Levi to become new. He stopped lying. His lying and his cheating and his thieving and and all the stuff that he did, everything. He's no longer extorting people. And over here, here's the Pharisees. What, What would the change be for them? They would surrender and say, God, I am a sinner. I need a Holy God. I need the Doctor. I need you. So I want—I want to ask you today: Is your life new? Are you the new person in Christ? And for some of you, that's happened some time ago. But I ask you: Are you a new person in Christ? Has there been something happen, or has it just been a head thing? You see, I asked you at the beginning: Ask God to teach you. He wants you to know more than knowledge. It goes like this: You deal with knowledge, then you have a scent, and then you trust. He says, I want you to trust me. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone away. The new has begun. Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. At one time you were an enemy of God. Check this out. Verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. At one time you were the enemy of God. Your back was turned on God. And when you said, All right, I'm going to follow Jesus, when God opened your heart, He tapped on your heart's door, you responded, and you took and you made that turn, you are now the friend of God. You are no longer the enemy of God, you are the friend of God. So he says that God, Christ had the ministry to reconcile the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. This is what we're to do. For we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. You, Levi. God is making his appeal through you. He's calling you. He's calling me. He's calling you. We are the ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is a direct representation of the boss. You know, whenever whenever we send an ambassador to another country, they are carrying the message. They're not the boss, but they're a representation of the boss. And so whenever you go to work tomorrow, I want you to catch this. You are a direct representation of the boss. You're a direct representation of Jesus Christ himself. For we are no longer condemned. For Verse 21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. So where do we fit into the story of Levi this morning? We're not the doctor. I'm not the doctor. We don't just play the role of the doctor. We don't play the role of the doctor. We just introduce people to the doctor. Did you catch that? I don't have to come and tell you that you're sick. I'm the pastor of a bunch of sickos. Right? That's what we are. We're all sick, right? We don't play the role of a doctor. We just introduce people to the doctor. Did you ever ask somebody for a reference? Like, hey, do you know a guy? Have you had somebody say that? Do you know a guy? Do you know a guy who's good at brakes? My car needs brakes and I don't want to pay that much, but I need a good guy. Uh, do you know Do you know somebody? And, and listen, if, if you tell me about a good doctor, you know, I just, just imagine, you know, I, I go to the doctor and, you know, my knees are giving me issues and we have a couple options. I said, well, does that other option involve surgery? He goes, yeah, most likely. I like, ah, I don't want that doctor. Give me another one. I want the guy who gives me that sassafras and you just take that. And I'll be happy with that, right? And what I'm telling that doctor is, I don't think I'm sick. And many people will come in and they will come to the doctor and say, I'm not sick. Give me a different doctor. We introduce people to the doctor. When you go to work tomorrow, you're, you're the ambassador of God to introduce people to the doctor. There are sick people, spiritually sick, all around us. And if you follow in Christ, just remember where you came from. You were a sick person. I'm a sick person, but I've been made whole. My doctor has the cure to my soul. Jesus has the cure to your soul. And so Jesus, in this passage, has showed us that he has the power over those who he hangs out with. And if you hang out with him, he's going to change your life. He's going to make you new. We're the four friends, like last week. The four friends, that had an opportunity to see life changed or get good seats. That place was packed out. Uh, you go back and read in, in, in earlier in chapter 2 there, uh, the paralyzed man. They couldn't get him in because the, the place was so full. And so they go up and they dig on the roof. Those four friends, they could have had front row seats. But they said, no. We have a friend who needs changed. We have a friend who needs healed. We're the four friends. We're taking people to the doctors. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to invite you to trust Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you realize that I am sick. Your, your sickness is your sin. Oh, God might have used other things to get your attention so that you would understand that your sin is your sickness. But maybe today God's speaking to you and he's, he's knocking. Maybe today's the day like, like when he came over to Levi and, and Levi said, man, you, have, you, you don't want to talk to me. And Jesus said, yeah, I want you to follow me. Maybe that's you today, and I want to invite you to follow Jesus. Just start today. Call on Him right where you're at in your seat and just ask the Lord. Just say, dear God, I come before you, and I need you. I'm sick. My sin has made me sick. And I need you, the doctor. Heal my soul. You died on the cross. You paid... You you paid for my sin. You were buried, and you rose again. I invite you into my heart right here and now. Thank you for healing my soul today. Thank you for forgiving me. And for others in this room, maybe, or online, maybe you have forgotten how sick you are. Maybe you have forgotten how sick you were. Maybe you have begun to play the role of the doctor. And God says, I didn't ask you to play the role of the doctor. I'm the doctor. I just asked you to love. I asked you to care. I asked you to take people to the doctor. I asked you to, uh, to be my ambassador. Not to be liked. Not to be accepted. To be my ambassador. Father God, be with each one of us, Lord, as we come to grips with the truth of your word. God, we thank you that you are the remarkable, absolutely remarkable Jesus. Our lives are forever changed by an encounter with you. And I pray for many in this room and online that had an encounter today. And I pray for the encounters that will come. As many people all throughout the week are coming to you every day. We ask that you'll do great things. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today, folks. God bless you and have a great weekend.
4: away and bonfire for